Isn't it fascinating when we get an opportunity to have someone we don't know take a look at our finances, people who've never met us, never will meet us, who themselves are multi-billionaires, and they take a good look at our finances and they figure some things out about us. That fascinates me. Um, this is a little quick clip. We'll play the full thing of the uh, uh, the boss of the uh, so-called Federal Reserve. It's not federal. It's a pseudo-governmental mismatch of, well, graft and greed and manipulation. Um, but he took a look at the uh, the finances of the, uh, the little people did Jerome Powell, and he's come to this uh, this belief. But if you, so if you look at it, it, uh, the strength of the economy, households are in very strong financial shape. They've still got a lot of excess savings from, from you know, forced saving. Excess savings. Yeah, this got me to thinking, and so did much else in the news. Um, and I guess I could have brought in some music from John Lennon here, and then that guitar thing, and said, you say you want an insurrection. Well! you know the todd herman show is 100 disapproved by big pharma technocrats and tyrants everywhere now from the high mountains of free america here's the emerald city exile todd herman Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. How dare I talk about Jerome Powell without uh, Zach Abraham from Bulwark Capital Management. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to ask Zach about Powell's estimation of our savings. It's just another sign of insurrection. KnowYourRiskRadio.com, by the way, is where you get Zach's radio show and podcast. You say you want an insurrection, well, you know. It's one of Lennon's better songs. I do still like his music, even though, well, you know, I could do a whole thing on Lennon. Have you guys heard the bit I do about John Lennon and the reality of Lennon and when I just really figured out the reality of Lennon? I think I've done that on the podcast, right? I know listeners to the radio show heard that. I used to do that from time to time. Um, The day after um, that we would recognize the day that John Lennon was killed the day after, not the day he was killed, but just to just remind people who the Beatle actually was or the former Beatle, both of those things. You see what an insurrection. The, the party continues to pimp and the Mockingbird media as members of the party continue to pimp that we should all be tuned into J6. This is the most consequential of things. Last week, we talked about this a lot because they're trying to push it into the news a lot. And to some degree, they're succeeding. But you want insurrections. Well, sure, let's talk about insurrections that are real life. Because January 6th events were many things. Among the things they were not was an insurrection that wasn't ever close to an insurrection ever. And I don't need to belabor that because we've talked about this so consistently on the program. So let's define insurrection. Does does insurrection have to involve violence? I mean, they have traditionally been violent acts. Does it have to involve that? If it has to involve that, well, then we can go back to the seizing of an American city or six blocks of an American city and the taking of a police station and the permanent taking of a decommissioned firehouse. That was an insurrection. It was successful. 
Now, they bought them out because that's what they did. They didn't conquer Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Incorporated. They bought them out. We can talk about the uh, further attempts to do that around the country. We can talk about the attacks on the courthouses. We could talk about the murder of cops. But I don't know that insurrections necessarily need to be violent. So what's an insurrection? It's an attempt to take over the government. What's a coup? It's a successful attempt. And coups uh, are normally accompanied by violence, at least on a personal basis, such as a, you know, one boss, one wannabe boss killing another wannabe boss. But it doesn't have to, I think, involve violence. Now, I have a theory and a thesis for this program is that we live under an insurrection of sorts. And some of this is non-controversial, or at least it should be. When the figurehead was caused to try to push the EPA to go ahead and just create the Green New Deal, because that's what the figurehead was pushed to do. That was taking something that, yeah, Congress has grifted a bunch of power over to the EPA, and it is a grift, guys. It's purposeful. It allows Congress to have the bureaucrats do all the nasty stuff. Not all of it, but most of it. And then they, they can then, then the Republicans can run against that. Oh, look at the EPA. Yeah, you gave them that power. But when the Supreme Court came along and said, no, actually, the Clean Water Act doesn't, the Clean Water Act does not give the um, Environmental Protection Agency the power to remake the entire energy grid of the United States of America through diktat. That has to be done through Congress. Which is interesting that John Roberts says that now. Because John Roberts also got to say that the government got to pretend that Washington, D.C. is a state. So maybe Roberts was waiting for reinforcements. That's why he was weak and compromised on Obamacare and many other things. Maybe. So an insurrection, it's an attempt to take over the government. When the EPA was, the, the decision came out that the, the EPA doesn't just get to remake the entire energy system, we saw a whole bunch of response from the Mockingbird media saying, oh, that strips the government of its power. That's a key phrase. That strips the government of its power. No, the EPA is not the government. But you could fool people into thinking it is. It's part of it, and it's meant to be a subservient part. Subservient to the Congress and the, and the executive. But it's not. When there are people running things who do not have the legitimate right to run things, that's at best a shadow government. It's at worst, you're living in a coup. I think that we're living in the midst of an actual shadow insurrection. An attempt to absolutely take the government away from elected officials. The figurehead is not the only figurehead. Right? Lori Lightfoot is a figurehead. The, the, the little mini dictator of Chicago is a figurehead. Jay Inslee in Washington State is a dictator and a brutal one. He's also a figurehead. 
How do I make that case? Because Lori Lightfoot, and look, I try so hard in this program. The Lord Jesus made it very clear. You don't, we do not get to walk around calling people fools. That is an estimation God gets to make. And God makes it only God because it means irredeemable. It means basically unsavable. Well, we don't get to make that decision. But I will say with all due respect to her as a human, because she was created by God, amongst the gifts God granted her, intelligence, honesty, forthrightness, integrity, and morality are not among them. Or if he did grant those gifts, she's allowed those to be eroded. She's universally recognized as absolutely, absolutely, significantly without any moral compass and without any significant intelligence. Scheming? Okay. Jay Inslee is famously run by his staff. I mean, famously. There's a great sound clip I have, and I'll have to get it out of the archives. Of, I mean, this is an old, old clip of Inslee when he was in Congress. Someone asked him his opinion on a piece of legislation, and that man, that, that man actually turned to his staff and said, Oh, yeah, what's my opinion on that? So an insurrection doesn't necessarily need to be violent. And Obama set up the edifice for an insurrection, a shadow insurrection, when Trump was elected. We've talked about this, the 1,800 lawyers who worked in Washington, D.C. to teach people how not to do their jobs. We watched the insurrection with the DOJ, etc., attempting, and, and that was an actual coup attempt. But listen here to the figurehead. We're told to treat this man as the most powerful man in the world, as what we used to think of as the leader of the free world. Well, America is less and less free because Americans have turned their face from God and God has said, oh, it looks like you guys feel you got this figured out. I'll let you try this just like I let Judah try it and Israel. We'll, we'll let you see how it goes. See how you like it without me. So this is Biden. Listen like closely to this and the admission that Biden makes in this very, very brief statement. We're on the verge of making significant progress. Now I'd be happy to uh, take your questions. And the first question I'm told is Darlene Superville from Associated Press. Thank you, Mr. President. Two questions, please. <laughs> of course. America is back was your motto. So number one, the cynical mean laugh. Hey, Joe, you draw a paycheck and grift. You draw a paycheck of what, 475 a year, 475 grand a year? Is that it? You have grifted $50 million. You can answer a couple of questions without being passive aggressive, number one. Number two, he admits right there, I don't decide who's who I call on. So there are little areas that point to the fact that we live in a time where staff so runs that man, and, and he's somewhat unique. I don't know that in our history, in our lifetimes, we've had a, a, a figurehead president. I know that the left like to pretend that about Ronald Reagan, but I can prove, disprove that in, in a whole series of ways. The key among them being when Reagan refused to not deliver the line he wanted to deliver at the Berlin Wall. They wrote it out of his speech where he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. 
They wrote it out 10 different times and said, Mr. President, you can't say that. When he stood in Berlin to deliver that speech, there was the, the booklet that they presented to Reagan. And that, that had the speech as they wrote it. <laughs> and he went to the podium. He sat that down and he reached into his suit coat pocket and he pulled out another speech, the one he wrote. <laughs> and he delivered it. And that's where he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And they told him, you can't say that. Just like they told Trump, you can't put the Israeli embassy in Jerusalem. What are you doing? You can't do it. Well, he did it. But for the party, they do not want elected officials running the show. Mitch McConnell does not want elected officials running the show. He likes a court to do his bidding, and he, he deserves credit for that. But that's a minor little symbol or sign of the fact that we live in the midst of an attempted full-on insurrection, which if it comes to fruition, will have been a coup. The Supreme Court making decisions along constitutional lines, that's not the insurrection. That, this is another thing that the party's pretending, or at least the leftist portion of the party, they're pretending we're going through a judicial coup. Simple way to look at that. When the first court decided that, the, uh, that abortion was in the penumbra, of the Constitution, meaning the ether surrounding it. And they said, well, it's not written in here, but it's in the penumbra. So let's let's just go ahead and, and call it that. The left didn't say that's judicial activism. They that the that court invented that right. When another court comes back and says, hey, you know what? We're gonna uninvent that. We don't we don't smell it in the air. You smelled it in the air, it was in the penumbra. We don't. And they point to judicial precedent and constitutional order, such as the 10th Amendment, such as the 14th. Well, that's not an insurrection. Here's more. Um, it's not just staff. It's not just the EPA. The Health and Human Services Division of the government, which some people would call the government. That's what the, the, the Mockingbird media has said, that, that telling the Environmental Protection Agency, you don't have full-on dictatorial powers, is stripping the government of their power. The Health and Human Services Division has announced, and it's released a statement to this effect, the, the deeply, deeply conflicted and very, very corrupt so-called Secretary of Health and Human Services, Xavier Bacara, announced at a press conference his intent to use the government to defy the Supreme Court. Supreme Court says that the states make the decisions about abortion. They didn't ban it, but they said the states. Health and Human Services of the federal government is not a state. And yet, Xavier Bacara decided, I'm a dictator. I will decide. He said, screw the Supreme Court. Screw it. And he's announced a five-step plan on how the government will defy the Supreme Court. Now, the justices are not elected, but they're appointed by elected officials. They're appointed by the president. They are reviewed in advice and consent role by the United States Senate. 
Xavier Bacara is simply one dude appointed in how on earth this guy got confirmed. Oh, that's right. It's the party. It's the party. So that's another sign and a far more significant sign. You want an, you say you want an insurrection? Well, you know, take a look at Xavier Bacara. He is actually enacting an insurrection, an attempt to take over the government, an attempt to take over the Supreme Court in this instance. But it's symptomatic of people who do not respect the constitutional order in any way, shape, matter, idea, faction, or form. And it goes beyond that. If you're looking at, at, at a, um, I mean, the classic example of this is Debbie Carapia in Cincinnati. And of course, because I was a radio guy for a long, long time before I went into tech and, and did all that. And look where I've come back. I came back to radio. Now it's podcasting. I loved Debbie Carapia in Cincinnati because of Johnny Fever and, and, um, and Venus Flytrap and, uh, I actually liked Bailey. I was more attracted to Bailey than um, than Lonnie Summers because Bailey was smart. But Lonnie Summers, by the way, they, um, nah, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I get distracted. I'll do Debbie Carpenter in Cincinnati all the time. But Arthur Carlson was the figurehead boss. He was the son of the owner of the radio station. He didn't know what was going on. He, he had no idea what was going on. So he had Travis handling the programming and he had... Uh, had, what's his name, Herb Tardick and had on sales. He had, he had everybody else doing everything. And he simply looked the role. That's the classic example of, you could see, he's not running things. He's run by his staff and his mother. Classic example. But in the case of that, that, that fictional show, they all knew that. They loved him because he was a sweet man. He had a sweet heart. And he loved his people at the radio station. And he tried to take care of them. But they talked behind his back all the time. Oh, Mr. Carlson? No, he's not in. No, the guy's never in. They talked behind his back all the time. Oh, no, we'll just tell him this. We'll just, we'll, we'll make up an excuse. Well, that's one level, but there's a just far different level, a much more serious level. And it goes to the attitude of people who not just run things, but they absolutely know things. I remember my daughter coming to me uh, back in the day and not complaining, but sort of feeling a little jealous, I think. She met a girl at school and um, they had a five-story house and a bunch of cars. And she came to me and she said, you know, you, you make a lot of money at Microsoft. Why don't we have a five-story house and a bunch of cars? And I said, that's, you know how expensive that is? She goes, but you could probably afford it. I said, well, if I cashed a bunch of stuff out, yeah, I could do that. Well, but take out a loan. And I said, honey, let me explain something to you, A, about those possessions those people have. I have no idea if they own those or they own them. And my, my daughter said, what do you mean? She goes, I, I don't know their finances. I said, I'm not going to ask. But there's a lot of people who live their entire lives on absolute leverage. And I explained that to her. I said, honey, they may not own that house. They probably don't. A bank probably does, which is common. Most people don't own their houses. But when your debt owns you, and I kind of explained this to her because we went through and talked about it. I said, do you understand that they could be paying ten dollars or $15,000 a month on loans? I mean, do you know what that would do? 
across a lifetime. So I can't make that, you know, I, I can't make that determination because I don't know them. And I'm certainly not going to ask them. The boss of the Federal Reserve, which is a non-governmental office, and I've been lectured enough by shiny-shoed Republicans on this. D- don't say that. Don't, don't, don't ever say that about the Federal Reserve. It's just as much a government. No, it's, it's not. It's a private group. It's a private group and you can never join. And if you're rich enough to be in it, well, then you've never tasted poverty. The boss of the Federal Reserve has himself a notion about your bank account. I want you to hear the full clip because it goes down into this insurrection thing. Federal Reserve does what BlackRock tells them to do, what Vanguard tells them to do, and then they turn around and send Federal Reserve employees to work at BlackRock and they go through this revolving door. That's part of this insurrection through which we live. You see, I want an insurrection? Well, talk to Jerome Powell. Oh, man, um, this is really cool. I have a family member who has joined Soda Weight Loss, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. I won't say whom because they don't have permission, but she is so close to me. I I grew up with her. And we had the occasion to get together the other day and we were eating dinner and we just got to talking about, well, fitness. And she was asking me, how are you doing with the shoulder thing? And I mean, are you keeping your activity level up? And I explained to her this, things I can't do and that's a bummer, but I've, I've kept up a lot of my fitness. And she said, you actually look lighter, like you've, like you've dropped some pounds. And I told her, well, sadly, that's probably because I've dropped some muscle. And yeah, I've been really concentrating on trying to, on, on trying to control eating. That led us to the conversation about where, and she finally said to me, where did you lose all your fat? She didn't say it that way because people find that rude, but that's the truth is I lost 150 pounds of fat. And so I told her the same thing I tell you of how it happened. I sought help. Now, Soda Weight Loss came to join us, I guess about three months ago. They reached out to us. They're a very successful company from one location in Dallas, Texas to seven all across the state of Texas. And then they were paying attention People started to come from all over the American Southwest and yeah, Southeast and part of the Southwest, I've learned, to seek their help in dropping unwanted fat. So I told this loved one, I said, okay, look, let me tell you that this is what my wife is using. And obviously they know each other. I said, my wife is using the soda weight loss program. Here's how it works. This went through a couple of different dinners. And she finally got in touch with me and said, I've joined. She said, and I told them that I, uh, about our relationship that I'm related to you. And they said, oh, that's so cool. And, and the, the people at Soda were really, really excited. It's the same thing I would tell you face to face. So consider this, if you like, advice from a friend. Maybe we've met, maybe we've not. I'm telling you that they know how this is done. I'm telling you that they're healthcare providers from the way back. I'm explaining and I explain it to my loved one. They will tell you how long it will take to lose this much fat, how long it should take. And if you stay on the plan, you're going to find out it's pretty much spot on. If you deviate from the plan, not so. I told her about the maintenance process because we're eating together. She goes, yeah, but you're eating this. I said, right, but I've learned how to do that. It's sodaweightloss.com. S-O-T-A weightloss.com. Now I'm feeling bad for not putting together some John Lennon music because every time I say, you see, I want an insurrection. Well, you know. You need to talk to to to, uh, to the federal chair or the, uh, the the chair of the Fed. 
Secretary Powell, Jerome. So Jerry took a look at the finances of the United States of America and Jerry Powell, Jerome Powell, has reached a conclusion about all of us. So the U.S. economy is actually in, in pretty strong shape. So if you look back a year, um, the U.S. economy grew more than five and a half percent. It was really the big reopening year. Mm -hmm. And so we had expected this year to be that that growth would moderate to a more sustainable path. Um, we also, of course, are, are raising interest rates. And the aim of that is to slow growth down so that supply will have a chance to catch up. We, we hope that, that growth can still remain positive. Um, but if, so if you look at it, it, uh, the strength of the economy, households are in very strong financial shape. They've still got a lot of excess savings from, from you know, forced saving from not being able to travel and things like that, and also from fiscal transfers. So households are overall, not, not every household, uh, and not, not the ones at the lower end of the income spectrum, but overall in strong shape. The same thing is, is true of businesses. Very, very low uh, rates of default and things like that. Lots of cash on the balance sheet. Um, the labor market is tremendously strong, you know, still averaging very, very high uh, uh, job growth per month. So overall, the U.S. economy is, is, in, uh, is, is well positioned to withstand tighter monetary policy, we think. Everything we hear there is manipulation. Let's start with that. When, and, and this is, and let's remember this, he doesn't work for us. He's not appointed. He's not elected. He, he doesn't work for us. We have no leverage over him. Period. There's nothing we can do to him. Not, not in any legal sense. It's a set-aside body. It is a being unto itself. And I know that there are, in Republican circles, big fans of the Federal Reserve. I know it because when people wanted to audit the Fed during the first Tea Party rallies... People at the Republican National Committee thought that was insane. You want to audit our, our national banking system? Yes. That's insane. It's our national banking system. Yes, and therefore should be audited. But that man took his, his all-knowing glance and looked across the country and said, you have excess savings. Does it feel that way to you? When you look at the party in Holland, going to farmers, well, ranchers, going to people who, um, who have uh, livestock, pork and, and cows and chickens, and they're going to them and saying, you're going to have to stop. We're going to take your business away from you because... Uh, global cooling, warming, climate change, acid rain, Greta. When you see the food supply being purposely constricted, when you see the price of gas and oil being purposely increased, when you see the figureheads and um, the guy who runs transportation who has that job because he's gay, period, or same-sex attracted, that's, that's, that's full stop why Pete has that, that gig. When you have those guys saying, hey, if you can't afford you know, 50 grand a year for gas, get an electric car that costs 100 grand. Do you feel like you have excess savings? Do you ever go to bed at night going, man, I've got excess savings? No one thinks that way. He doesn't think he has excess. If he felt he had excess, he'd give away a couple billion bucks of his own money. 
Not that he has his own, being that he's in the grifting business. Furthermore, none of it's his. None of it is. It's all God's. He's just appointed of a bunch of it for himself. And I mean appointed. He's a terrible forecaster. Zach's talked to us about this, the fact that this man is one of the worst forecasters in the entire world of finance. And here he sits atop the top turtle on the stack of Yertle the turtle. And below, we, the people, so to speak, are saying, I don't feel like I have excess savings. You say you want an insurrection. Well, you know, reflect back upon what he just said about forced savings and the lockdowns. Reflect back upon the fact that that two years ahead of those lockdowns, the medically useless, deadly, politically targeted and politically advantageous lockdowns. Remember that two years ahead of that time, BlackRock had a plan to conjure a whole bunch of money, $360 billion that they wanted the treasury to conjure. Just invent something that normal people can't do. That's an insurrection. We're paying for that now in inflation. That's an insurrection. That wasn't voted for. That didn't go through a judicial review process. I guess we could sue them or try. That wasn't debated on the floor of the Senate. They still don't admit that happened. And you have the boss of the Fed saying forced savings from the lockdowns and at the same time saying the economy came back. No, no, no. The economy was shifted. The 40% of small businesses you destroyed, you wealth shifted and stole that money and put that in the pockets of the people who are backed by BlackRock, your friends. Talking about Microsoft and Facebook and Google and Amazon, they got that money. I mean, if you want an insurrection, look no further than this. So we started this with the example of Biden admitting, I don't get to decide who I talk to. My staff does that. We went to the example of the of, of HHS, Xavier Bercara saying, I'm not listening to the Supreme Court. Screw the Supreme Court. I don't care what they say. We're going to promote abortion from health and human services. Screw them. Screw John Roberts. Which, of course, if Trump said, in, in fact, would be a constitutional crisis. We went through... Powell, excess savings. Well, you know what that's a code word for is to take more of that. Now, the figurehead doesn't have any notion of any of this. So this is, this is the figurehead pushing back on and a journalist actually asking, again, a question. And it's so good to see some journalism. A journalist pointing out that the fact is 73% of Americans think the country's on the wrong track. 73%. Uh, Not to mention the fact that, what is it? um, I believe it's 37% of people who own guns say that they're of the opinion that they're going to have to use their guns against the government. 37% of gun owners say that, yep, in my lifetime, eventually we're going to have to use our guns against the government. What do they know? They sense things. We all who are paying attention sense things. Like the figurehead is just a sign of this. The staff is running things. The permanent bureaucracies are running things. And at the height of this, at the top of this, are people with a whole lot of money in the background. And it's not even this. It's it's nothing like a theory. 
BlackRock said, conjure money. The Treasury said, okay. Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum said, shut down the country. They said, okay. Plus, orange man bad. So Biden is asked about this estimation that people have of, of the country going in the wrong direction. The first NATO summit last year, and you've come to this summit here and the one in Germany after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned constitutional protections for abortion, after the shootings in Buffalo and Texas, at a time of record inflation, and as new polling this week shows that 85% of the U.S. public thinks the country is going in the wrong direction. How do you explain this to those people who feel the country is going in the wrong direction, including some of the leaders you've been meeting with this week, who think that when you put all of this together, it amounts to an America that is going backward? They do not think that. You haven't found one person, one world leader to say America is going backward. America is better positioned to lead the world than we ever have been. We have the strongest economy in the world. Our inflation rates are lower than other nations in the world. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights. And it is a mistake, in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. But I have not seen anyone come up to me do anything other than, nor have you heard them say anything other than, thank you for America's leadership. You've changed the dynamic of NATO and the G7. So I, uh, I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of what the Supreme Court did. I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of inflation. But inflation is higher in almost every other country. Prices in the pump are higher in almost every other country. We're better positioned to deal with this than anyone, but we have a way to go. And the Supreme Court, we have to change that decision by codifying Roe v. Wade. So there he is. Uh, and it used to be that when you're in foreign soil, you, you don't do that. You don't trash um, one of the elementary, you know, constitutionally provisioned areas of the government, which would be the Supreme Court. But he does that. He also believes these things. He believes that people respect him. And just this week, the, the Communist Party of China told him to shut up and get his job done. Truly, the dictator of China is telling Joe Biden, get your job done. Get yourself together. Meet your climate goals. Man, I should have had a special episode with Zach to come on. Bulwark Capital Management. I said this at the top of the hour. Um, the purposeful constriction of supply chains and it is. Look, Holland is a harbinger of this of things to come. They're doing the same thing in Scotland, northern Scotland. They need to, quote, lose a million animals that would be part of the food chain. They need to lose them to destroy them. Not eat them, destroy them. In Holland, they're going to families who provided food for people for, well, generations upon generations. And, and the Dutch are furious. And notice something. This is not in the news. You want to see the Dutch protests? It's the same exact thing that happened with the COVID protests, which are still ongoing. The protest against the injection diktats, which are back, by the way, in the States. 
that stuff is all being 100% suppressed. It's a huge story when the Dutch lock their country down on their own and the farmers have done this. If there was ever a time to make sure that your finances are in the hands of someone who has, who is not awakening to this, not just going, wow, things are weird. Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management has been talking about the zero interest rate environment for, um, well, almost a decade. He's been talking about the inflationary times. He's been talking about the fact that the 60-40 stock bond mix thing does not work anymore, not given what the party has done to our finances, not given what they're doing to the system, not given the ungodly uh, conjuring of money, the fakery. Zach's been honest about all of this, and he's also very honest to tell us, hey, um, we could work at this at the ballot box. We can work at this as citizens. We can try to elect godly leaders who would never engage in this monumental theft. And guys, this is a system that we have. And so Bulwark Capital Management, they focus on risk management. If there was ever, ever, ever a time for you to seek the safe harbor of risk management, and it doesn't mean that there's not ups and downs. Zach's really honest about that. But if there's ever a time to go to a firm that is focused on risk management and has their eyes absolutely clearly open to what the financial system is, man, it's now. It's Bulwark Capital Management. You can go to them at knowyourriskradio.com. There you can do two things. Primarily get signed up for a review. Talk to their financial advisors. Subscribe to Zach's radio show. You can also call them. Me, personally, let's get it done. Get the review underway. Have them look at your portfolio. Reach comfort with them. It's 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. Uh, one day I'm going to have that, that reading end just as the music wraps up. I, I, I constantly think I can read that more, more quickly than I do. So that's Biden saying, I, I, there's no one saying that. No one's saying we're in the wrong direction. And yet the dictator of China has said to Biden, um, you know, he said, and forgive the language, I'm just quoting Secretary Bakara's attitude of, oh, screw the Supreme Court. She, the dictator of China, saying to Biden, the figurehead of America, hey, I don't care about the EPA decision. You're going to meet your climate goals, your carbon goals, because you know China's doing that, not. So there's a, there's a real world leader, Joe. This poll is such incredibly bad news for them. Well, let's think about this from the perspective of insurrection. You say you want an insurrection? Well, you know, let's pay attention to the polls. An overwhelming and growing majority of Americans say the U.S. is headed in the wrong direction. This is from the Associated Press, including eight in 10 Democrats. Eight in 10 Democrats. According to a new poll, finds deep pessimism about the economy plaguing President Biden. The economy plaguing him. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just this, uh, this thing, this cloud, this miasma called the, the economy that Biden had nothing to do with, that his party, he's a party member, that they didn't create this with the medical useless, deadly, politically advantageous, politically targeted lockdowns, the theft of 40% of small business wealth, the jacking up of interest rates, or not interest rates, but inflation. 
<laughs> it's just plaguing him. It's just this cloud. 85% of U.S. adults say the country's on the wrong track. 79% describe the economy as poor. According to a survey from the Associated Press, uh, NORC Center for Public Affairs Research, poll shows only 39% of American approve of Americans approve of the figurehead's leadership. 60% disapprove. Um, this is a read-up or write-up that a legal insurrection did. It's in the show notes. They point this out. Naturally, the AP buried this detail towards the bottom of the article. The national dissatisfaction is bipartisan, the poll shows. 92% of Republicans and 78% of Democrats say the country's headed in the wrong distance, in the wrong, in, in the wrong direction. Uh, and then, as I talked about earlier, there is this poll of gun owners. I think it's 37% of us are saying, uh, yeah, we might have to use your guns against the, against the government. Well, why would we think that? They're constricting the energy and food supplies. They're driving up energy costs. Oh, why would we think that? Why would we think we'd, we'd one day have to use our guns against a government that wants to starve us? I know. I know. Some trust in chariots and horses. For me and my home, we will trust in the Lord God. Whoops. Oh, man. True faith is so hard. My guns are in my safe. I didn't say I gave up my guns. We better trust in the Lord. We better turn to him and say, Lord, um, well, this is me being prescriptive, far be it. My sense of things is to turn to God and say, dear Lord in heaven, um, will you deliver us from these evil leaders? Lord, God, please deliver us from this this clear evil, this, this decision to block our foods and to limit our fuels and to drive up our costs and to, and to take your resources from us. I, I think we'd better get there. And speaking of taking our resources, you say you want an insurrection? Well, you know, listen to this. This is a spokesperson for the figurehead. And you're going to, people are going to freak out when they hear the phrase liberal world order. Okay. That's fine. That's fair game. Freak out about that. That's not the phrase that has my attention. The phrase that has my attention settles for me, in my mind, the arguments that I've been having internally that Zach and I have been talking, you know, tossing back and forth for about a year. Is this on purpose that they're doing all this or are they, are they, um, or, are they misled? Are they, are they ideological? Are they con? My, my theory is that there's this three-layer cake of evil. On top, you have the really smart, scheming, truly evil people like the psychopath Bill Gates, the psychopath Tony Fauci, the psychopath Klaus Schwab. They're psychopaths. On the bottom, you've got people like Joe Biden, who's an utter figurehead, or Lori Lightfoot, or Jay Inslee, who quite well understand they don't have any significant role to play in a world of meritocracies. So they need to be around bureaucracies and kiss up Unfortunately, in the middle, that's us. Top down, bottom up, squeeze the middle sort of thing. But this settles it for me. This is a spokesperson for the figurehead asked about high gas prices. Sustainable. What do you say to those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for months, if not years. This is just not sustainable. 
Well, what you heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. Stand firm. That's it. Stand firm. That's the phrase. Stand firm. Stand firm on what? Yes, I heard him say liberal new world order. I got that part. Stand firm on what? Stand firm on what? That's the tell. In poker, we talk about tells. That's the tell. And it's quite a tell. There is a button somewhere on the podcast app to which you're listening. And that button is labeled share. If you think more people should get news and analysis delivered in this way, uh, the biggest thing you can do to help this show thrive and, and stay alive. And again, I want to be super, super clear. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with great partnerships. And, and despite the cost of delivering a podcast at this level, and we do spend a lot of money to make sure that the podcast sounds good, etc., is d- distributed well. Um, we've been blessed. And those blessings will one day cease if we do not grow audience. Last month, you guys blessed us with a 15% month-over-month growth. Thank you for that. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for putting us all together. That button on your podcast app, great way to do that is to share the five-minute focus because it's a low investment in time. People can sample the show. We find this out, and it holds true almost to 95%. When you share this program with people who heard me fill in for the great one, the greatest talk show of all time, Rush Limbaugh, God rest him, about 95% of the time, people say, ooh, I remember that guy. I liked him. And they like Ken, and they like the other people who got the opportunity to fill in for Rush. I'm asking you to share me, this show, with your friends who listen to Rush. It's the share button on the podcast app. And just, just send it to people. Stand firm on what? Stand firm on their decision to constrict supply. That's what it is. Stand firm on their decision to drive up core energy costs. Uh, uh, Under my plan, uh, energy costs will necessarily skyrocket. Uh, You can build a a new refinery uh, uh, or or power generation station, but uh, it's going to cost you. You see what an insurrection It is not the government's job to drive up prices to heat our homes. It's not in their constitutional provision to drive costs up to con and blackmail people into getting a less sustainable. Well, it's not the right word, but a less efficient form of energy. That's not their job. People who purposely cost you more money when it's done in the private sector are called price gougers. When unelected, unknown, faceless paper pushers are doing this, you tell me where the insurrection is. You say you want an insurrection? Well, listen to this. (laughs) This is a man, a figurehead, bragging about your money being used to do what exactly? We officially launched the Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment. We collectively have dozens of projects already underway around the globe. And I'm proud to announce the United States will mobilize $200 billion in public and private 
capital over the next five years for that partnership. The entire world is feeling the impact of Russia's brutal war in Ukraine and on our energy markets. We need worldwide effort to invest in transformative clean energy projects to ensure that critical infrastructure is resilient to changing climate. Critical materials are necessary for our clean energy transition, including the production of batteries, need to be developed with high standards for labor and environment. Fast and reliable transportation infrastructure, including railroads and ports, is essential to moving inputs for refining and processing and expanding access to clean energy technologies. For example, the U.S. government just facilitated a new partnership between two American firms and the government of Angola to invest $2 billion in building the new solar projects in Angola. It's a partnership that will help Angola meet its climate goals and energy needs while creating new markets for American technologies and good jobs in Angola, and I suspect throughout Africa. Angola. <laughs> Nothing against the people that God created in Angola. He is the God of the universe, not the God of America. He loves, he, well, I mean, as a reminder, he loves Joe Biden as much as he loves all of us. Public-private partnership to 200 million bucks, if this is the role now of government, is to promote a less efficient form of energy up to and including cranking up the prices here. And then bragging about a solar farm in Angola, and we are not living in an insurrection? I, I, the insurrection's been a, a fight since probably since I was born. I'm in my mid-50s. They don't need to be violent. Later this week, I, I'm going to do a show. Um, I think that we may have had with the Supreme Court a last chance at having a Republican form of democracy, a republic. Remember that, that, that famous statement, what sort of government have you given us? A republic, madam, if we can keep it. Remember that? I, I think that we've been given the last gasp chance and if we don't meet it with, with Christ's love, we're coming up next hour, we're going to talk about that, how Christ's love is still winning. If we don't meet it with Christ's love and with godly leaders and re recommitting ourselves to facing the Lord and asking for repentance for what this country's done, not you, but us, and we all need repentance, well, then that, 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 that chance that the Supreme Court somehow, somehow John Roberts saw fit to give us a chance, well, then that's going to be lost. But if you heard Biden talking about this, that, that, is this where your priorities are at? No. But the last two sound bites here are about guns and they're about COVID. It's the same thing. It's the same insurrectionist dynamic. And it's global. The happenings in Holland, the destruction of the food supply in Holland is global. Northern Ireland, global. They're not doing it the same way here, but they're doing it. The seizing, not seizing, but the buying up of farmland. Because, you know, that's just the private industry. That's just private industry being private. This is from the BBC. And I don't think this conversation went exactly where the interviewer wanted it to go. 
It's about pharma. And it's about the real scandal as this gentleman sees it. And in the show notes, you get the full details. Bear in mind as he talks about this, bear this in mind when we get to the dictator of New York. This is the technocrat mind, mind style being described here. Then we'll get to uh, the dictator of New York. All backed up by a, a peer-reviewed report in uh, the BMJ, leading medical journal. Um, I mean, how worried should we really be? It's quite easy to paint a picture of nefarious goings-on, of big pharma as a huge shadowy industry who doesn't care about our health, only about their profit margins. I mean, is it really that bad? Or is this a case of looking at something which could become potentially quite serious in certain areas if it isn't sorted out now. I think it's very bad, actually. Uh, and it comes back to really the legal obligation of the drug industry. People need to understand it is to produce profit for shareholders. They have no legal obligation to give you the best treatment. But the real scandal, and this was pointed out by cardiologist Peter Wilmsus in the Center of Evidence-Based Medicine in a talk he gave in 2015, the real scandal is that doctors, institutions, medical journals collude with industry for financial gain, and the regulators fail to prevent misconduct by industry. And we have a wealth of evidence of fraud that's been committed by the pharmaceutical industry over the years. But for them, it's the cost of business, because even though they've committed fraud, and we're talking about most of the top 10 pharmaceutical companies, and don't have to name any particular one yeah, over the not. years, um, you know, uh, even though they've committed fraud, in all of, almost all of those cases, nobody got fired, no one lost their job, they were indemnified, if you like, from, from uh, actually any kind of legal action against people within the company, even when they were deliberately, knowingly committing fraud. And then even though they've been fined for those, you know, uh, malpractice, if you like, or, or deceiving the public or regulators, they actually end up making more money from profit of the drugs than they do from the from actually from the criminal investigations and the harm that's, you know. So the system, it's basically a symptom of our system failure. And then why are we even talking about this? Well, what's happening to population health? You said earlier that, you know, uh, a lot of hospital admissions in the elderly are because of dangerous drug interactions, about a quarter actually. Um, one estimate suggests that the third most common cause of death after heart disease and cancer is prescribed medications. In the UK, we've had a stalling life expectancy since 2010. And now in the last few years, we've seen that in many parts of the country, life healthy life expectancy has reduced. And at the root of this problem, of course, we've talked about obesity and lifestyle, but what's the twin evil, if you like, that's affecting population health in a negative way is essentially too much unchecked power of industries whose only motivation is profit, not to look after your health. And watch, who makes money off the diabetes and pre-diabetes? The party. The people who purchase the COVID lockdowns make money on that. Who's driving the efforts to make fat healthy? And look, you can be a healthy person and have ex excess fat on your body. Sumo wrestlers are insane athletes, insanely strong, fast, and in shape athletes, and they carry around that fat. And that's not common that you can have that much excess fat and be a healthy person, but there is an effort underway to say, no, 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 obesity is good. Who's pushing that? So this data is all available. All of that data is available. Any journalist could go get that data. Any government agency could get that data. Anytime the Fouch wanted to, he could have said, well, the, the people at most risk for this, uh, first is age, which you can't control. The, the second is obesity or, or physical activity or going outside. He didn't do that because he didn't want to do that because he's a psychopath and he is part of the insurrection. Here is a woman who is the face of insurrection. Her predecessor, 
was kicked out of office because he liked to put hands on women, apparently. Andy Cuomo, brother of actor Chris Cuomo. He wasn't kicked out of office for getting people killed by putting COVID-positive people in the nursing homes. No, no, no. That's just COVID. That's just party activity. For some reason, the party wanted Andy Cuomo out of the way. So Kate Holchel comes on board. And listen here and let us be thankful for an act of journalism. This is Ann McCoy, a journalist, journalist, WGRB in Albany. And she asks the, um, the dictator of New York a question about guns. This is the most technocrat statement ever. It is also the best example of the culture of insurrection. We started with the culture of insurrection, Biden admitting, I don't choose who I talk to. My staff does that. Here is the dictator of New York being asked, do you have data to support the laws you're trying to pass? Do you have the numbers to show that it's the concealed carry permit holders that are committing crimes? Because the lawful gun owner will say that you're attacking the wrong person. It's really people that are getting these guns illegally that are causing the violence, not the people going and getting the permit legally. And that's the basis for the whole Supreme Court argument. Do you have the numbers? I don't need to have numbers. I don't need, I don't have to have a data point to point to to say that this is gonna matter. All I know is I have a responsibility to the people of this state to have sensible gun safety laws. And this one was not devised by the Hochul administration. It comes out of an administration from 1908. I don't need a data point to make the case that I have a responsibility to protect the people of this state. Somebody who's going to go do a mass shooting or something like that may not go get a concealed carry permit. I never said there's any correlation between our solution here and the Buffalo case. In fact, I signed a package of 10 laws following Buffalo that dealt with the issue, the issues that were raised there. Hochul's gun laws passed after the Topps grocery store shooting in Buffalo. Yeah, they did. Is that not the most technocrat thing you've ever heard? I don't need data. I don't need math. I feel things. Or more directly, I'm paid to do stuff you don't understand. All of this boils down to shut up. We're doing this for your own good. We're constricting the food supply for your own good. We're driving energy costs up for your own good. We're coming after your guns for your own good. We locked you down for your own good. We're, we're, we're pretending to not notice that Bill Gates has announced he wants to make his computer code contagious because that's what these so-called vaccines are. They're Bill's computer code. He wants to make them contagious. You don't get to say no. That's a bodily insurrection. Oh, Oh, yeah. Just a quick question. Who was the first insurrectionist? Surely you won't die. Our battles are not against flesh and blood, but spirits and principalities. This is the Todd Hermit Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and let's be in prayer. That the Lord really will rid us from the evil people who are taking his resources and trashing them, not to mention his word.